Well, listen, as I start the message this morning, I need your help. So here's, here's what I want you to help me do. Because everybody's going, what exactly do I have to do? <laughs> do I have to come on stage and talk? No, you don't, okay? You can do it together. What I'm going to do is put some lyrics to love songs on the screen in just a moment. Now, these are from a list of the 100 greatest love songs of all time, and they're going to come from different decades, because we're from different decades, right? And so as you look on the screen, you're going to see the lyrics, but there's a blank, and you get to fill in the blank. All right? Have you got it? Nod your head if you're with me. All right, listen, I, I want to tell you, it's not as hard as it sounds. All right, here we go. Here's the first song. This is from 1956. And who is the artist? Elvis. And what is the word that goes in the blank? Love me tender. Okay, this was actually um, based on a folk tune from the Civil War, just for you music trivia buffs. All right, skipping ahead a whole other decade to 1967, we have the British Invasion and the famous song, All You Need Is... Okay, hey, you guys are really good at this. All right, Billy Joel, Billy Joel, 1977, wrote this song as a birthday gift for his wife. I love you just the way you are, just the way you are. And here's a picture of another artist. This is from 1984, Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? Um, first service, somebody just continued the song. <laughs> What's love but a secondhand emotion? I just, they were going on and on. It was great. Okay, here's a picture of, of Rod Stewart. And this is actually a song that's a, a wedding dance classic. Have I told you lately that I... Love you. You got a perfect score on the love quiz. All right. Now, here is um, Bob Dylan, and this is a classic. It's been covered many times. When the rain is blowing in your face and the whole world is on your case, I could offer you a warm embrace to make you feel my love. And maybe that's how you feel today. You need somebody to just express their love to you. Now, here's the last one. This is John Legend. Um, from 2013, because all of me loves all of you. Now, I have a few more statements that I want you to fill in the blank for, and these come from a really ancient source. It's this book that we call the Bible. See if you can fill this one in. Are you ready? And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is, is love. And one more, and this verse, by the way, was written by a man named John, one of Jesus' disciples, and he was later called the Apostle of Love because Jesus had changed his heart that much. And he writes this, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is, God is love. And church family, this morning we began with these words from Ephesians chapter 3. And this is Paul's prayer um, for the church. These are the believers in the city of Ephesus. But this is my ongoing prayer for us. Let's take a look at it. He says, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. And that's just a reference to God's people, every believer, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's a powerful prayer, isn't it? Because when you know how big God's love actually is, it changes everything. And so as we continue this journey through the book of Ephesians, where we're talking about God's goals for the church, one of God's goals for his people is to understand how big his love actually is. So, how big is God's love? 
Well, imagine this. There's a married couple. They're sitting at the breakfast table. The husband is reading the newspaper that he's holding up like this. And uh, you, you can probably imagine the dynamic here. His wife is attempting to have a conversation with him. And finally, in frustration, she blurts out, Are you listening to me? And he shoots back, Yeah, I can repeat every word you've said. Now, let me ask the guys, what does his wife want? Now, guys, I know this is a perplexing question sometimes, right? But in this case, it's not too hard to figure it out, right? She wants him to put down the paper, look her in the eye, and pay good to pay attention. Now, here's the first statement on your outline. God's love is so big that it pays attention. God's love is so big that he pays attention to us. Now, one of the remarkable things we see in the Bible is that God's concerned about the details of our lives. I mean, think about this. He is running the entire universe right now, but he cares about every detail of your life. Jesus said this, that even the hairs of your head are what? Numbered. So if hair 3042 falls out, does God notice? Yeah. Does he necessarily replace it? No, but he, know it. he knows it fell out, right? Because he notices every detail of our lives. Now, here's a question for you ladies, all right? Um, have you ever changed your hairstyle and the man in your life didn't notice it? Ladies, has that ever happened to you? Okay, it's happened to my wife. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> now, here's the question. Guys, this is for the guys. How does that make a wife feel? Not good. There's a great answer. Exactly. It's not good to not notice. Exactly. Because it can make you feel unimportant or even unloved. But God always notices every detail of your life and mine. And we see that in this beautiful uh, passage from Psalm 139. This is King David. He says, you have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I'm resting or when I am working. And from heaven, think about this, from heaven, you discover my thoughts. You, and what's that next word, church? You notice everything I do and everywhere I go before I even speak a word. You know what I will say. That's remarkable, isn't it? But that's an expression of God's unbelievably big love, that he notices every detail of our lives. Now, let me just show you some words. This is from the book of Numbers these are words that Moses actually was given by God to give to the priests so that they could bless God's people. They would have a worship service, and you know at the end of our worship service, I bless you with words from Scripture. Well, that happened in the Old Testament. And these are the specific words that God gave to the priests to bless his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. See, for Israel, the greatest blessing of God is that he's paying attention. He knows exactly what we're going through. And listen, this morning, I hope that that gives you comfort and strength to know that whatever's happening in your life, God notices. He knows what's going on. Now, for Israel, the greatest fear they had is that God would do this. He would turn his face away. And now God doesn't know what's going on. And look at this. This is in the book of Psalms as well. It says, my heart says of you, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. So isn't that just beautiful that God loves us so much that he's always paying attention to us? But here's the flip side. If we want to express love to God, what do we have to do? We have to pay attention to God. 
We have to come to these moments where we give God our full and undivided attention. And that's what's supposed to happen in worship. Because worship is expressing our love to God. We do that by giving God our attention. And there's a, a really powerful psalm. It's Psalm 46.10. And it says this, Be still and know that I am God. One translation says it this way, Cease striving. Just stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop worrying. Stop being afraid. And just pause and remember who I am. And that's one of the ways that we express love to God. Now, if you look at this picture, I actually saw this on the cover of a Bible. And I thought, that's a really cool graphic. Because if you think about this, think about something hitting the surface of still water. The ripples go out in every direction, right? And you can see them clearly defined, this concentric circle, or circles that go out. But what would happen, let's say this is a pond, and there's a storm, and there's waves already present on the surface of the pond, and you threw a rock in, would you see any ripples? No. They'd be lost in the chaos. And I thought, that's really a picture of our heart, isn't it? Because if my heart is still, and I'm listening to God, when he speaks, it's like this rock that hits the surface, and it just ripples out, and I'm going, oh, I hear God. God's speaking to me. But if my heart is filled with chaos and conflict, and there's a storm, and I'm dealing with all these things, and I'm distracted, I'm going to miss the voice of God. And church, I realize that this is a big challenge. I mean, the challenge of uh, too much to do and not enough time. All the things that are taking place in our lives, but realize this, the God who pays attention to us wants us to stop and pay attention to him because that's how we express love. So how big is God's love? Well, it's so big it pays attention. Here's something else. God's love is so big that it gives. God's love is so big that it gives. Now, the Bible tells us that God is a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. So let me ask you this, and we're going to um, make this something that's not a rhetorical question. You can actually tell me, okay? What are some gifts that God's given you this week? Just shout it out. Rest. Is that right? Rest? Man, that's a gift. Absolutely. What are some other gifts that God's given you this week? Strength. I'm going to come down here so I can hear you better. What are some gifts? Strength. Health. Yeah. Boy, that's a great gift, isn't it? Love. Just keep talking. This is great because God hears you even if I don't, okay? Right. I mean, just think about all the things. What about friendship? Right? I mean, you're sitting here in a church family. What a gift. And I want you to know this, um, church family. You are God's gift to me. You really are. And we're God's gift to each other. And that's a remarkable thing. But if you were to say, okay, what is the best gift that God has ever given? I would say, well, what you need to do is go to a football game and look in the end zone because there's a sign probably there, right, that has what verse on it? Yeah, John 3.16. And here it is. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave, because that's what love does. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life, eternal life. I was thinking this week that, you know, that is the hallmark of, of love. Love always gives. And there was a book that I read a number of years ago by Gary Chapman. It was called The Five Love Languages. How many of you have read that book, by the way? That's a pretty um, insightful book. And if you're unfamiliar with it, the premise is this, that everybody has this love language. It's the way that you give and receive love. And if you don't speak the same language as somebody else, you're not really going to connect. You won't be able to give and receive love from each other. Sort of like this, let's say you've got a, a married couple and the guy speaks German. 
and the wife speaks English, and she says, honey, I love you. And he goes, I don't, I don't speak English. Or he says to his wife, ich liebe dich. And she goes, what? And he's trying to say I love you, but she doesn't hear it or receive it because they have different love languages. And Gary Chapman actually points out what these love languages are, and there's five of them. Um, one is quality time, just being with each other. The other is words of affirmation, where you're just affirming someone by your loves, by your words. The other is physical touch. Uh, another is acts of service, where you do things for people to express love. And the other is giving gifts. Now, I, imagine this. There's a, a guy who um, has the love language um, that's acts of service. And so he spends all day Saturday fixing everything in the house, changing the light bulbs, mowing the yard, you know, do all this stuff. And he thinks that when his wife comes home, she's going to be thrilled because she'll know that he loves her. But her love language is quality time. And so she comes home, and he's still doing all this stuff, and she just doesn't get it, and he can't understand why. It's because they have different love languages. And I was thinking this week that all of these love languages all revolve around giving. You give time, you give words, you give service. And, and think about this. Jesus spoke all of these love languages fluently. Because think about this, on quality time, did Jesus spend quality time with people? Think about his disciples. How many years did he spend with his 12 disciples? Three years, that's some significant quality time. What about words of affirmation? Jesus was always affirming people with his words. Sermon on the Mount, he was just saying, blessed are the, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he went on and on, speaking these words of affirmation. What about physical touch? Well, we know that Jesus touched people who were untouchable. He touched people with leprosy. He touched the eyes of a blind man because that was an expression of his what? Of his love. And then acts of service, I was thinking about what Jesus did before he goes to the cross the last night that he spends with his disciples when he puts a, a towel around his waist and grabs a basin of water and what does he do? He washes the dirty, stinking feet of his disciples. Why did he do that? Because he loved them. And he wanted to give them an example of how they could express love to each other. And then finally, Jesus, in terms of gift giving, gave himself completely to us. The greatest gift that's ever been given. So how big is God's love? Well, God's love, first of all, is so big it does what? What's the first thing? Pays attention. The second thing is it gives. And here's the third. God's love is so big that it forgives. It forgives. Check out this Bible verse. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son, notice this, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And church, this is a really good bad news, good news verse because it talks about the fact that we have a problem we can't solve, which is sin, our disobedience. God says, hey, love me with all of your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, essentially, sin is a failure to love, isn't it? And, and we've all failed. And because of that failure, God says there's a penalty which is to die and be separated from me forever, but because of his great love, God rescues us. One of the um, most powerful movies I've seen, I saw a number of years ago, it's called The Apostle, starring Robert Duvall. And he actually wrote this and directed this and was nominated for an Academy Award. But I guess one of the reasons I identified with uh, the character is that he's a preacher. He's a charismatic preacher and uh, he finds out that his wife is having an affair with a youth pastor. And he goes after this guy with a baseball bat, hits him in the head, puts him in a coma, and the youth pastor dies. Well, Robert Duvall, his name is Sonny in the movie, he runs. He runs from the law, and he ends up in Louisiana, and he changes his name 
But you know what he does? He starts pastoring another church. And the church begins to grow. And God, it looks like, is blessing his ministry. And what's really interesting about the movie is that it is so incredibly honest. I mean, there are these, these shouting matches that Sonny has with Jesus, just praying his heart out. And he knows that he's a deeply flawed man, but, but he's honest with God about it. And there's a scene toward the end of the movie where the police finally track him down and they're going to arrest him. And it's at nighttime, it's at the church, they're having this evening worship service, but the police are going to wait for Sonny to finish his last sermon. And so Sonny knows that the cops are out there, you can see the lights, and then the camera zooms in, and here's Sonny at the front, he's preaching, and he knows this may be the last time I can ever talk to people about God. And you know what he talks about? God's love. And in the movie, he goes over to this lady, and he, and he takes this little boy that she's holding, who's maybe, I don't know, a year or two old, and he takes this little boy in his arms, and he walks to the front of the church, and this is what he says. This is a quote from the movie. He says, look at these beautiful, beautiful little hands. Look at them. Now imagine a nail piercing the palms of these beautiful little hands, and then picture the nail going into an old board. I know I don't have that much love in me to do this to my son. Do you? I know I don't. I don't have that much love in me. But God does. And in that moment, Sonny's just declaring, you know what, I'm a broken, fallen man. But I know that despite all that I've done, God still loves me. He loves me so much that he's made a way for me to be forgiven. And, and church, that's what we celebrate every time we have communion. We are broken people. We are flawed people. We fail in so many ways. But because of God's love, he's made a way for our relationship with him to be restored. And that's through Jesus. Because Jesus is willing to, to sacrifice everything. He leaves his home in heaven. He becomes a human being. He lives a perfect life. He goes to a cross. And on the cross, God's willing to put our sin, our failure on Jesus, punish him in our place. And after dying for our sins, what happens to Jesus? Comes back to life. And he invites us into a new life. And this life is characterized by two things. By loving God and loving people. Because that's what followers of Jesus do. And that brings us to this last thing that I want you to see about God's love. God's love is so big that it enables us to love others the way that he loves us. And church, this is so important. Here's what Jesus said. A new suggestion I give you. What does it say? Command. This is non-negotiable. And think about this. Whenever we read Bible verses, it's really good to think about the context. Where was Jesus when he said this? Well, the reference here is John 13, and John 13 through 17 is actually called the farewell discourse. It's what Jesus said to his disciples before he was leaving. This is in the upper room. He knows that he's going to die on a cross, and he says this to his disciples. Hey, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus was really passionate about this. He wanted his disciples, and by extension, us, to really love each other the way that he loves us. Now, I could talk about that for hours, but let me just point a couple things out here, okay? When Jesus commands us to love others, this is what it involves. Number one, in order to love others the way God loves us, we need to pay attention. So let me ask you this. As you go through your day today, who do you need to pay attention to? Because that's what love does. Love listens. Love pays attention. And here's the second thing. In order to love others the way God loves us, we need to give. To give our time, 
to give our abilities, to give our resources to meet the needs of other people. And here's, here's the last thing, just from what we were talking about earlier. In order to love others the way God loves us, we need to forgive. We need to truly forgive. And there was a remarkable story about this in the news this week. It's a story about this um, former Dallas policewoman. Her name is Amber Geiger, and she shot a man. Um, sh she thought that he was in her apartment. It turned out he was in his apartment. And she killed him and was sentenced to 10 years in prison. How many of you are familiar with that story? I mean, it's really been out there this week. And there was this dramatic thing that happened during the trial where the, uh, the man who had been killed, his younger brother, Brant, was on the witness stand. And after testifying, he asked the judge if he could go give Amber a hug because she was so distraught. And, you know, just reflecting on the words that he said, they're just remarkable. He, he said to Amber, hey, um, I want the best for you. Um, I don't even want you to go to jail. I want you to know Jesus because that's what my brother would want. And then I also heard that the, the judge actually went into her chambers and gave Amber a Bible. And I watched that story and I thought, this is a demonstration of the greatest force on the face of the earth, the love of God.